0: Are the Jazz getting a color scheme change? Plus, we go over the BYU Utah game and what the Utes can do to improve to play against the Aztecs this Saturday. That's all coming up right now on The Thatcher Effect. Five, four, three, two. You're listening to The Thatcher Effect with your hosts, Nate Thatcher and Richie Osler. Week 1 may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off Week 2, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 2 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, IN, or PA only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome back, everyone. It's good to be back, but it's a little bit different than what we thought it was going to be last week. We did not predict... What was going to happen on Saturday, but we're going to get into that. Um, Before we get into that, we have to talk about the Utah Jazz because, of course, we represent the Jazz here on the Basketball Podcast Network. A little bit of a rumor coming out here on Twitter that the Jazz might change their color scheme yet again. I feel like we've had so many different colors, even in our lifetime. You know, even in the past decades, we've had maybe, what, three different color schemes well, they just changed their training facility colors to just be a plain black and white. Now, Dwayne Wade said he's got some new drip coming soon, as, as well as Ryan Smith says there's going to be some change. What are you predicting, or what do you want to see out of the Jazz and their, their new uniforms?
1: I mean, it's kind of interesting. I, I feel like we have to see what they're going to do. Um, kind of the buzz around it has been, oh, the Jazz are just doing what the Brooklyn Nets did or have done and they're just going black and white and it's just going to be that boring. Um, Ryan Smith has kind of denied that, uh, somebody tweeted at him. It's like, why are the Jazz's jerseys just going to be black and white? And he's like, Oh no, they're not going to be just black and white. But I think like those might become kind of our colors. Um, I think it's interesting because we've had so many rebrands. Um, like three years ago we had the city jerseys and like all the, the red to the yellow. Um, and then we've had we've brought back the purple jerseys, the purple mountains. Um, you go back. We've had green jerseys. We've had yellow jerseys. Our color palette of jerseys is all over the place. So I like I like what Ryan Smith and the entire front office are doing in the sense that they're trying to really make a brand that's going to stick. Um, I do think that there is some nostalgia in those throwback jerseys and everybody's favorite jerseys probably the consensus are the jerseys that we played best in. And that was probably 97, 98, when we're rocking the white and purple and the purple and white with the mountains, those were probably our best jerseys. Um, But I I mean, I'm kind of surprised like we're not going more in that direction. And it it seems like we're going in a different direction. Um, I mean, we probably won't see what the jerseys look like this year because I think Nike has already released all their jerseys. And so we're not going to be able to see exactly what they have planned, but I think probably by next year we'll have a good idea of what's going on.
0: Yeah, I think I think the mountain jerseys are like undisputed the the top Utah Jazz jerseys of all time. Like the, those things are awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what they come up with because. I think we all know, and we've talked about it a lot, that Dwayne Wade and Ryan Smith really want to take the organization into a brand-new direction. And I think what they've already done, even with Dwayne Wade just coming on this very year, they've already changed so much of the culture. And I think they might want to include the branding in, in that as well to kind of put a face on the organization. So look out for what the Jazz come out with soon because it's coming. Like, the season's already almost back. It felt like we just got our hearts broken Um, In LA, like two weeks ago, and we're back back to preseason games literally within the next month, which is crazy. We're excited to see everyone back on the court, but of course, the big news, we got to talk about it. We have to. Our last podcast episode was all about tennis coming, right? No, and I don't think I know any analyst that picked BYU to win besides Kirk Herbstreit, and he only picked BYU to win so that there would be somebody that could pick BYU. Like, that was literally his reason. And Utah just got their butts handed to them in this game. Like, it was not even close. And I'll say that the score doesn't really reflect that, but if you watch the game from beginning to end, tempo, pace, energy, it all belonged to the Cougars, and it it just wasn't even close at all. Richie, take us through your first general thoughts about this last Holy War and BYU breaking the streak?
1: First of all, I'd like to apologize for my prediction 36-10. and 10. Um, My theory is that because I made that prediction, Utah lost. And I, I should have predicted BYU winning. Um, either way, I wouldn't have been upset. But here I am a little bit upset about what happened. Um, some initial thoughts that I had right after watching the game is, and during the game, is we got outplayed in every position group. Um, This BYU team, they're a good team. And I mean, they've already played two power five opponents. And honestly, it seemed like they dominated Arizona and they definitely dominated us. Um, They beat us in every single position group. Their defense was better, was more physical. Um, Their O-line was great. Their quarterback was great. Um, Algier, their running back was great. Uh, the Nakua brothers, all their wide receivers were just great. Like, I feel like everything went right for BYU that game. Um, that being said, I do, do feel like there was kind of a turning point in that game where I feel like Utah really played themselves out of the game. Um, and it was in the second quarter, where are um, fourth and 11. Uh, BYU is fourth and 11. And we get that pass interference and then they score on that same drive um so I feel like that was kind of the turning point and that's when BYU really put themselves ahead um and then I also feel like another turning point was um when we're we're fourth and two we just had we're really close to the goal line um we've had a good drive and um what's his name uh I'm trying I can't remember our quarterback's name right now I'm totally Charlie,
0: Charlie Charlie Brewer
1: yeah okay Charlie Brewer um Should have handed it off to Tavian Thomas or shouldn't have handed it off to Tavian Thomas, but he hands it off to Tavian Thomas. They read that because that's just classic Utah. You know what they're going to do. And they get the sack and we don't get the first down conversion. Um, If Brewer would have held onto that ball, ran two yards, we would have had a first down and we probably would have scored a touchdown right there. And then we would have been up in the game. So I feel like that was really the big turning point. Once we dug ourselves in that hole, we couldn't get out of it. Um, All credit to BYU. They were the better team. They outperformed us. Um, I think they were outcoached. I think they were a heck of a lot more motivated for that game. And kind of the reactions after is that we've seen that this game means more to those BYU players than to those Utah players. And the same way with those coaches. Um, The reaction from Kalani Sataki and um, from all the coaching staff at BYU was like they just won the national championship like they just won their biggest game and to be fair that probably was their program's biggest win in the Kalani Sataki era um so all credit to them that was not Utah's biggest loss in the Kyle Whittingham era or even in like the last three years um I'd say our losses to our loss to Washington in the Pac-12 championship was probably our biggest loss um So I overall, I mean, the the game doesn't decide Utah's season, but it is a sour game to relive nonetheless.
0: Yeah, there are a ton of overreacting Utah fans. It's the same thing with Jazz fans we experience all the time, right? After any loss that kind of stings a little bit, someone's bound to overreact. Me and some friends were actually at the game, and I actually saw some footage today from when I was working at BYU Sports Nation, looking up some information. There's a video of the whole student section doing like a cheer and you could see me and three of my buddies just wearing red out of everyone. It's like so apparent, which I think is hilarious, but that was not fun to stand in the student section full of blue while the reds just not, they're not the team that I knew we could, we could be. And BYU again, like you said, was a team that definitely outperformed Utah and, and they're playing better than anyone predicted. Uh, something that's got to be talked about has to be the play of the trenches. I wouldn't have never have guessed. And Kyle Whittingham said this as well in his post press conference that Utah would have been outplayed on both lines, but especially on the defensive front. This was the first time that I can remember probably in my lifetime that I have ever seen Utah play a team above an FCS opponent and not get a sack or at least like a turnover in a game. It was crazy. Jaron Hall had a fantastic QBR because of how much time he had to pass the ball. It was so frustrating to watch because I felt like our coverage was pretty decent on those plays, but someone's bound to get open when your quarterback has over six seconds to throw the ball. I I love your point about play calling on the fourth and two. That one was huge. I, I think a zone read on a fourth and two while you're on the opposite eight just wasn't the right move. But I, I do like the riskiness that Kyle Whittingham has taken ever since Utah has taken those leaps to become the top of the South. You see him becoming more risky. And I think we can look back. That probably starts about five years ago is when he really started going for it on fourth down conversions. And it's for the most part, it's worked out for Utah in heated games. This was a game, again, like you said, BYU fans have been waiting for for a long time. Heck, they they stormed the field. And if you just look at the numbers, they only beat the number 21 team in the country like, An an FCS team would rush the field if they beat an AP top 25. But if you're a team that's playing multiple power five teams in the same year, usually you don't rush the field, but because that streak meant so much to them, I've never seen, neither has any BYU fan or coach. They said they've never seen Lavelle Edwards that much energy in that stadium ever before, which is, which is crazy to think. And that place was rocking. So again, like we've been talking about Utah fans have been overreacting, but I, I just think we're two games into the season, right? We have so much left to go. And immediately following that loss, I'm standing up in those stands. I'm looking down. I'm, we're drenched, too, because it was pouring rain in like the beginning of the fourth quarter. I'm looking down, just drenched, looking at all these BYU fans have fun. First thing that comes to my head was actually the 2016 USC team. So the, the 2016 USC team is probably one of the great story, greater storylines that I think have, have become relevant in the last decade of PAC 12 football. They started out that season one and three. And that, that third loss was to Utah and it was their, their second PAC 12 game in our, our opener for PAC 12 football. And it was, it was a great game, but we won on a last second touchdown. And looking at that, that has to just be so defeating, right? Right. Clay Helton's at the helm and props to him. Good luck wherever he goes. But he, I just felt like they would be so defeated starting one and three. They're predicted to be the top of the South. USC after that game won every single game after that. They never lost after that game. And not only that, but they beat their opponents pretty, pretty handily. And, And they faced opponents such as Oregon and Washington. They beat the Washington team that went to the college football playoff. And they even went to the Rose Bowl and they beat Penn State in the Rose Bowl. And so I I immediately thought of that team because if you looked at that USC football team in the end of September, beginning of October, even, I, I would not have said that they would have gone to the Rose Bowl, but look at what they did. So I think that a loss that stings like that can only go one of two ways. It'll either send you in a direction like USC or it'll absolutely deflate you. And I think that the responses from the Utah team say the former. It, it, I, I just really think that this one is going to help them in, in so many ways to really focus their energy and really come out and really want to take every single game. Because I think for anyone who watched the game, I, like we said, BYU had way more energy. It just looked like Utah wasn't really in it. And so some of the responses that I like, I love Britton Covey. He, he had an interview, I think it was on Tuesday, where he said he saw some freshmen goofing around in the lift room and he told him to knock it off because he said, we just got off this terrible loss. And he's like, you can bring your swagger back on Saturday. But like, in order to get ready, you you just can't do that right now. So I, I love the type of mentality that all these players are having. And they're talking about it. They're really saying like, that hurt. But because it hurt, we got to make something out of it. So w- what do you think Utah can do? Because people are saying maybe they might lose to San Diego State on Saturday. So, what do you think Utah can do with this recent loss to help project them to become who they really can be?
1: I think, I think it starts with how mentally prepared they are, um, because we saw how mentally prepared they weren't during that BYU game. Um, it seems like as soon as we came out, as soon as Charlie Brewer touched the ball, he seemed shaky. He didn't seem like he was comfortable being the quarterback. He didn't seem like he was the court the current. Um, Uh, throwing leader uh, as far as yards go in the nation. I mean, Charlie Brewer has thrown for the most yards in the nation right now out of all college quarterbacks. And so you'd expect him to come out a little bit more experienced and with pose. And so I think it's going to start with him, um, especially when we get onto that offensive end, to be honest, our defense played great those first couple of drives, but what was happening is our defense got tired because um, our offense was going three and out, three and out, three and out. And so our defense was being forced into these situations um, where they had gotten no rest and they were just having to play defense pretty much the entire game. Um, so I think our offense has to be so much better than it was. I still have faith in our defense. I think if they would have been a little bit more ready um, physically for that game, then I think that game might have gone differently. Um against BYU, but I do, I, overall, I think our success is going to be found in our offense. And I want that to be seen in Charlie Brewer. I want Tavian Thomas to play like second half Tavian Thomas in that BYU game. Tavian Thomas played great in the second half and he had some great plays in the first half as well. And I think he kind of solidified his slot as RB1. Um, So I'm expecting him to come out and be the guy that gets 18, 20 reps. And um, I mean, He's impressive what he can do. Um, Sorry. I meant McKay Bernard, uh, not Tavian Thomas. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, I, I also just, I want to see us target our tight ends more. We targeted our tight ends. I think three times in that first half against BYU. One of them was for like a 40 yard gain. The second one was for a touchdown. And then I think the third one we just missed, Um, but we got to tight. we got to, we got to target those guys because When you look at all of our position groups and probably where they rank nationally, our tight ends are probably like a top five group nationally. They're really good. And so Charlie Brewer's got to figure out a way to get them the ball. Um, I think every time Keithy gets the ball, he's going to make something out of it. And I want to see him get the ball more. Um, Going into this game against San Diego State, you just you can't let up at all. You got to go in with fire. I think Utah has maybe learned their lesson this week that they got to go in strong and hopefully that just sets the tone for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah. I, I love that. You really pointed out about the, I think what was really the sole bright spot of that game was Makai Bernard. I mean, you, you look at the type of O-line that he had to work with that game and the fact that he still, still pulled out the stats that he did. He had 12 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown for an average of like 12, 12 yards a carry. Like that, those are, those are Madden stats right there. Like that's pretty good. And when you have an O-line that was missing assignments, like they came out and said that they missed assignments. So Macai Bernard's having to make his own holes. He's having to make his own gaps because you look at BYU, they didn't really have a ton of chunk plays. They drove Utah down the field in short, small yard plays. Like their running backs, largest run was for 15 yards. But he said, Utah had a, a had a few chunk plays. Macai Bernard ran for 50 yards um, Dalton Kincaid caught a catch for 47 yards, right? So I, I think it all comes back to really that, that tempo that they can set. And that all has to come up against San Diego state. It, it really does. Charlie Brewer, I think really, and like, again, we've talked about this. I think he has the potential to be a really good quarterback, but I think we really have to utilize all of the talent that we have on offense, because you look across the board. Like I really wish that we could use Britton Covey more. I, I feel like we haven't used him, as, as much as we we should have since his freshman year. His freshman year, I felt like he was the star of the show on offense. And he was this 18-year-old kid coming out of high school, and he was tearing up offenses in the Pac-12. And, and, and since then, I just feel like it's felt stagnant. And even in the wide receiver room, we talked about it all summer long. We had such good transfers come in, and we had Solomon Enos stay with us. Plus, you already talked about our tight end room, which has – Brant Keithy has to be, he he is possible for NFL. He's he is NFL talent. And so it they just need everyone needs to be utilized in one way or another. And I haven't seen that in these first two games. I've seen a really strong run game, like the possibility of a really strong run game once once we know who that RB1 is, which I think will be Makai Bernard. But I also really want to see our wide receiver step up. I I just learned before the BYU game that Solomon Enos has been with us for three years and he's only had three touchdowns. And it feels like he's been such a vocal point and a leader of this offense. And yet he's just not getting involved. So I'd really like to see what this offense looks like against San Diego state, because I think how these guys come out of the gate against the Aztecs is really going to show us. I feel how the rest of the season is going to go in terms of how are they going to respond to adversity? Because I, Me personally, I would rather have a stinging loss at the beginning of the season than at the end. Because us as Utah fans know, it's always come in November when we crash and burn. And so for two months or three months, we're so hyped up all for it to fall and we go to the Vegas Bowl again. And I'm not going to go there again. So looking forward to the Aztecs, I, I know that they have a really strong running game. They have a really great running back. And they said that they also have really good offensive and defensive lines again. Super strong. They said that it's it's very well they could be just as good as BYU. So which groups have to step up the most from last week to this week to play San Diego State?
1: That's a great question. Um, I'm not super familiar with the San Diego State team. Um, however, I do know that they played Arizona last week, and I watched a little bit of that game. Not a ton, but a little bit. And they kind of destroyed Arizona the same way BYU did. So... I feel like we kind of got to treat this game like it's BYU round two. Um, The San Diego State team obviously isn't a bad team. As far as what position groups I want to see step up, um, I really want to see Charlie Brewer. I mean, I've already said it, but I want to see him step up big time. I think Charlie Brewer has the potential to be a really good quarterback in college football, um, and I think that's where it's all going to start. Um, I also want to see our O-line be a lot better. And I want to see our defensive line be a lot more aggressive because so many times last game they were, um, you know, they're making um, plays, but it just didn't seem like they could get to the quarterback at all. And I want to see if they can get to the quarterback against San Diego State. That's going to be a big key for, for, um, for our defense. Other than that, I feel like our defense was fine. And I feel like our offense could be a lot better. Like you were like you were saying, we don't really utilize all of our weapons on on offense. I mean, you like you said, we look around the board. We're so talented. We have great tight ends. We have great great wide receivers. We have like we're four running backs deep. So I'm just excited to see who's going to step up this week. Um, who's going to kind of take their load, and who's going to kind of just be the best version of themselves that they can be, because ultimately that's what Utah needs. Is we need somebody to step up. Um, it feel like it feels like we didn't have anybody that stepped up last week. So if somebody's able to step up and kind of set the pace, I think everything else is going to work out.
0: Yeah, Kyle Whittingham came out and said, "I need leaders," and this is where leaders really need to step up. Is is after losses like this. So, like you said, we're keeping it short. So I'm gonna go. We're gonna go the prediction route right now. And so before we get to Utah, we got to talk about BYU because, you know, we live down in Provo. We've got all this hype now. BYU is ranked 23, and I've got ASU coming in at number 19. What are your predictions for this game? Who's going to win this one?
1: I think Utah wins this game. I'm seeing it being a very close game, though. Um, I think it's going to be like 35-28. Utah wins by one touchdown.
0: And so that, so that's for the Utah game. Yeah. Okay. What about the, what about the BYU game against ASU?
1: I think ASU is going to destroy them actually. That being said, BYU has a lot of momentum going into this next week and it's at home. Arizona state hasn't played um, an away game since 2019. And so that might be kind of tricky for them, but ultimately I think, I think Arizona state's going to get the best of them. If BYU does beat Arizona State, they're going to be going into the rest of their season with a lot of momentum and a serious case to be um, considered one of the top teams in the in the college football. Um, so I don't know. I just don't see that happening. I don't see BYU beating three straight Power 5 opponents. I think Arizona State is going to get the better of them. Um, my score prediction, I'm going 40-10 Arizona State.
0: Wow. I love it. that's that's crazy. Um, like you said, the hype is all behind the Cougars right now, and they're actually projected to to win this one against ASU, which surprises me. Utah, I think, was had to be probably their toughest game of the season, especially with all this with the storylines going into it, and I think especially with the natural talent depth of Utah as well, that that just had to be the toughest game. Again, they have ASU, they're going to Baylor. They're going to USC. So they still have a a really big slate on their hands. But I think if they get this win against ASU, I honestly think this could be a 10-2, 11-1 type team, which I don't think anyone predicted, even any BYU-specific analyst. I'm going to say that ASU wins it, but I'm going to say it's going to be a close one. Um, I I think BYU's momentum will even help them in that game. I just think the energy of Lavelle Edwards Stadium is... It is so different than it has been before. And I think with all this news and talk about BYU now, like they have so much national attention. I think they're going to use that going into the game, but I think ASU has a good response. And they're a very different team than Utah. I I really like Jaden Daniels as a quarterback who was actually supposed to come to Utah, but he switched his, he changed his mind, but you know, we don't really care. And he's a scrambler. He's, He's a runner. So I'm really interested to see how BYU's defense responds to him because we just saw a, 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 a uh, how, do, how do I say this? A pocket, yeah, there it is. A pocket quarterback in Charlie Brewer. He's not a guy who naturally likes to run, but Jaden Daniels loves to use his feet. So I'm thinking Jaden Daniels is going to pull a little Jaron Hall on these guys and he's going to use his feet for the win. I'm, I'm going to say they win 35 to 31. I'm going to say it's going to be close. As for Utah, I think it's going to be, as it usually has been when they play Mountain West teams in the non-conference season. Uh, I, I think they come out. I think they come out of the gate firing, and I, I think they're going to do really, really good. I think it's probably going to slow down in the second quarter, and we'll will pick up really well in the third quarter. And I think this is a game where Charlie Brewer can really show off his his passing numbers because I think that Utah can really take handle of their secondary. I'm going to say that Utah wins this one, 42 to 17. So pretty similar to our our score against Weber State. There's a lot going on this weekend. As my good friend Bill Riley on ESPN 700, he says this is a crossroads, and I really like that because it's like you go one direction or you go the other, and I think that's for both Utah and for BYU. But I'm excited to see what Saturday holds because, of course, college football is amazing. So, Richie, any final thoughts for us?
1: Go Utes. Go Utes. I love it.
0: We we changed it from Go Jazz to Go Utes. We got to keep that going. All right, guys, Go Utes. We'll see you next week. Richie and I would like to thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Thatcher Effect. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to future episodes and invite your friends and family to join us on the ride on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to hear more about our episodes, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Thatcher Effect Podcast. We'd like to thank Money Wizard for the intro music and the Basketball Podcast Network for hosting us. We'll see you next week.